Inspiring solutions to save America one show at a time. Are you ready to get on board? They believe that they can they can destroy this bond that exists between you and Trump if they somehow make Trump look bad, make Trump look like a reprobate, embarrass you about Trump. They can't do it because you came before Trump desperately want Trump gone, and I I know that they desperately want it codified, that Trump cannot run again, because make no mistake, they remain scared to death of you, and they remain scared to death of Trump. Uh, Trump, 75 million, 80 million votes, and I'm going to tell you, you're not going anywhere. Even if Trump does, you're not which I think remains one of our big campaign strengths going forward. They can't separate you from Trump. And more importantly, they can't separate you from the ideas. They can't separate you from MAGA. They can't separate you from Make America Great Again. From sea to shining sea, three hours of bold truth and excellence. The Wendy Bell Radio Program. You know, bold truth and excellence is what uh, I believe this next individual who's joining us today is all about. I had the great privilege of meeting a Newsmax colleague of mine named Daniel Cohen in New York last year. He is the network's Jerusalem bureau honcho. He's the chief, the guy who knows everything. And I am so appreciative of your time today. Daniel Cohen, welcome to the program, my sir. Are you are you in Israel now, I'm presuming? Great. Great to be with you, Wendy. I'm actually... I'm in the heart of Israel. I'm in Jerusalem. I'm in the old city. I'm standing right now at Aish Global, which is a Torah, actually a teaching center. Of, uh, they're, uh, they, it's modern Orthodox. They have, a, they have sites around the world. And I'm staring at the Western Wall and the Temple Mount and the Mount of Olives as I'm speaking with you. And thank you for having me. It's my honor to be with you. Oh, my gosh. I, uh, I've thought of you so many times, and I'm glad I finally reached out yesterday. I, I want to know, yeah. what are we not asking? What, are, what, is, what is America not getting out of all oh, of this? Tell me. Wow. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm neck deep in what I'm reporting here, and I've been working 14, 15-hour days uh, every day. Of, I think I've had two days off since October 7th when this, when this massacre happened. And uh, I think my perspective may be a little bit different from yours. And I, my understanding from people that I'm speaking to in the States and back home and even my family members is they're getting a very murky picture of what this is. This was a terror attack. This was vicious and brutal. Two days ago, I was invited into an Army base uh, headquarter in North Tel Aviv where I watched 43 minutes of unedited raw footage that was GoPro camera that, that the Hamas terrorists used that uh, there was surveillance footage from the kibbutz, uh, that there was things that they were using, posting on social media, unedited and raw, of the most grotesque, horrendous... I, I, Wendy, I don't know about your audience, so I don't know how, 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 um, what you want me to say or not say, tell but me. I can tell you things right now that would make tell you me. throw up. Yes. I, I sat through the 43 minutes. I prayed long and hard with my wife before I went in there, because I thought, I don't know if I can do this, especially, I mean, babies' bodies so riddled with bullet holes that I couldn't count. Bodies that were bound, burned, 
Holocaust survivors. It was awful. And yet, Wendy, there are still people who say, no, it didn't happen. It's, um, you know, it's propaganda that, that, that Israel somehow, somehow made this stuff up. Let me tell you, I saw it with my own eyes. It made me want to throw up. It was the Holocaust and 9-11 wrapped into one. The Holocaust for its sheer barbarity, mm-hmm. and 9-11 for just the shock and awe. of I can't believe what my eyes saw that I'll never be able to unsee. And I'll just say one other thing but that I know, uh, you know, people said to me, thank you, Dan, for not looking away. Thank you for having the courage to go and do that, even though it was incredibly hard to do. Because I posted on my on the Instagram, and I, I just shared my reaction to what I saw, and people were like literally calling me crying, saying, "I don't have to watch it; I could just see it in your eyes and on your face—the horror, the fear, your your anger, all of it." How far are you from the area where that the music festival was? So I'm in Central Tel Aviv. Uh, I live in just north of Tel Aviv, Central Tel Aviv, in Central Israel, I should say. Uh, about an hour. So the Gaza border in South there is, a, is about an hour, and then we also have a correspondent. Lebanon on the Lebanese border, too, which is an hour to the north. The That has me so... Uh, I don't know if I'll ever get over that, Dan. I, I, don't, I don't believe I will ever yeah. get over what happened there. Um, and I, right. I don't know how, how does Israel... How does Israel hear uh, Bar- Barack Obama saying, don't get yeah. too deep into this because there, there's generations of Palestinians who won't forget. How are you guys supposed to forget? I don't understand that. Right. Right. You know, I would say this, I would say this too, that Israel has a right to defend itself. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean to defend itself? Israel has a right to make sure that this never happens again. My grandma's a Holocaust survivor. She was in Auschwitz and Petalswald. And, and for the decades, the Jewish people have always said this, this can never happen again. Well, we just witnessed another Holocaust. We witnessed 1400. And we hear people saying that Israel's response needs to somehow be proportionate, right? But there's no way to fly airplanes over Gaza and to do airstrikes to remove the Hamas, the terror leadership. There's no way. Every, every military expert, everybody from Benjamin Netanyahu on down, they all know what will likely be a very bloody offensive is coming, because there's no way to remove the leadership. They have to go in. They have to get rid of them. They have to be boots on the ground. And by the way, Wendy, I don't know if most of, our, of your audience knows this, the leaders of Hamas aren't even in Gaza. They're in Qatar. They're in, other, they're in other countries where they're given shelter and aid. They, they're living a the life of luxury. In the meantime, the Gaza civilians are trapped. They're human shields. I know you've seen all those stories. So Israel is doing the humane thing. They're saying, get out of here. Move at least south. Egypt doesn't want to open its border because Egypt knows the people that are in Gaza, they don't want them. I mean, it's, it says, I think it speaks volumes that the Arab nations around are like, actually, no, we don't, we don't want them. We don't want them here. So Israel's facing a very difficult road ahead. It's going to be a very bloody road ahead. But Israel has a right to defend itself to make sure that what happens October 7th and the the atrocity that took place never happens again. What is the view in Israel of of Joe Biden in this administration? I see them as being meddlers, warmongers. I feel like we tend to stoke so much ire, and I get why so many countries and their people hate us. So what's the vibe when Joe Biden shows up? I'm going to give you the straight truth here, Wendy. There are a lot of people here in Israel who have been told forever that, that the United States is the best friend of Israel. And so they believe that. And they see, they see aircraft carriers, and they, and they see some of the mobilization that, that President Biden has done. But I look at, I look at his actions, and I, and I think it's a little duplicitous, right? It's one thing to say, President Biden, he was here last week. Uh, there were 10 senators here a couple of days ago, five senators before that. We've had 15% of the Senate and the President of the United States in Israel in the last week. 
And when President Biden says, Israel, we support you, you know, we've got your back. But, oh, they just gave $6 billion to the leading state sponsor of terrorism in the world, Iran. You know, when you look at those things, the, it, it doesn't pass muster. It doesn't, it's almost like, uh, what's the word? It's not, uh, it's like there's this duality that he doesn't mm-hmm. even see and doesn't even recognize. You know, uh, it, it doesn't make sense. They're having, the White House is, is holding a state dinner tonight for Australia, right? And for Australian leaders. By the way, it's supposed to be they're saying this, uh, it's a toned down or somehow, you know, a demure or muted state dinner. I don't know what that looks like. Um, my wife joked, she said, I'd like to get an invitation to a toned down state dinner. But Australia last year, just about this week at the same time, came out and said that they do not recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. They said that that should come between a negotiation between the Palestinians and the Jews and a two-state solution. That's who President Biden is hosting at the White House in a state dinner today. Uh, And I can just underscore hosting something at the White House after spending the weekend at the beach while... Dozens. Right. I don't know how many American citizens have been killed there, Daniel, but how many are, are still being held hostage? Do we have any idea? Is there any way as a journalist you right. find these things out or is it just who knows? Uh, well, I believe I've heard Secretary Blinken say there are 30 Americans uh, I don't know that's still missing or, or could be being held hostage. But it's hard to get an accurate number. Um, you know, the, the, the IDF is saying it's 222 people that are still being held hostage. You know, and yesterday there were two uh, seniors, these elderly women, these Israelis that were released, and they said they were being held and that they were they were treated graciously. Which some people criticized them for saying, like, "What do you mean treated graciously?" They were they talked about she talked one of them talked about how they were thrown on a motorcycle, snatched out of a bed, her and her husband, and how they were taken down into these caves and held in captivity. You know, and and uh, the strange thing is, you know, she's not in a position to speak freely. Her husband is still being held hostage. So if you let this play out in your mind, you have to think, they probably said to her, and I don't have any inside information on this, but they probably said to her, we're going to let you go. You're going to say, we were good to you. We were gracious. We said you, we gave you medicine, which she did. And we won't kill your husband. um, Yes, because what happens if she she comes out and says they were awful, and this is what, you know, the reality is they were trying to, you know, people saying, oh, it was this humanitarian gesture. There is nothing humanitarian about kidnapping Holocaust survivors. There's nothing humanitarian about kidnapping babies and, and women and the things that endure. My next-door neighbor, uh, Wendy, is the lead spokeswoman for all the families in Israel who had a loved one kidnapped and, and being held in captivity. She had five cousins taken, and she just found out that two of those cousins are dead. One is an eight, was an 80-year-old woman with a heart condition, and the other was a 13-year-old with special needs. I mean, the barbarity is awful. I mean, it's just, the, anybody that's talking about this humanitarian, this is a terror organization. They will not get any humanitarian points, and they shouldn't, for me or for you or from anybody in, our, in your listening audience. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, and I, I'm going to wait. We'll hit a quick commercial break, Dan. I'm, I want to I ask you about the rhetoric here in the States, college campuses, Rashida yeah. Tlaib, people supporting these folks. Right. I, I don't get it. And so think about that. I'm going to get back to Dan in just a minute again. Daniel Cohen, the Newsmax correspondent, reporting to us live in Israel right now. Uh, don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. I, I want to know what is it going to take to win this war and put it, put it away? How, do, how does that work? Is it possible for Israel? Next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program.
All right, welcome back to the Wendy Bell Radio Program. Delighted to return to our friend Daniel Cohen. He's a reporter with Newsmax. He is in Israel as we speak. So what do you think when you hear people like Rashida Tlaib say the things that she does? Right. What do you what do you think you know, when Penn says, you know, there are a chance of, you know, calls for Jewish genocide and then a really weak attempt oh to cover gosh. that up? What the hell are we doing? Yeah, it's pretty infuriating. Uh, it's pretty infuriating, Wendy. You know, I, I had a... I had a testy exchange with Senator Lindsey Graham that went viral um, a couple of days ago. Maybe you saw it. Mm-hmm. But Senator Graham was, was here, in, and he was in Tel Aviv. He was leading a bipartisan delegation. It was five Republicans and five Democrats, and they had just seen the video that I was describing to you in the last segment. Babies being murdered and everything else. I mean, the blood. There was so much. It was awful. And they talked about the hostages. They talked about strategy. They opened up for questions. Uh, you know, the, the ten senators that were there. And the microphone came to me, and I said, I said, are there any, why hasn't there been a stronger condemnation of Hamas uh, in the United States, especially of Rashida Tlaib? And I asked if any of the Democrat senators on stage wanted to, you know, why hasn't there been stronger condemnation? Senator Graham steps up to the microphone, and he let me have it. He said, get this guy out of here. I don't know if you've seen the exchange. It was really testy, and I, I stood my ground. I just said, Senator, it's a legitimate question. Rashida Tlaib still has, right now, as we're speaking, a tweet up blaming Israel for a hospital strike that didn't that uh, Israel was not responsible for. It was a failed Palestinian Islamic Jihad rocket. President Biden said it. The Department of Defense said it. Rashida Tlaib still has it up. Ilhan Omar walking through the halls of Congress, and a reporter is there right next to her. Uh, Congresswoman, do you have anything to say about babies being beheaded? Silence. Right? Do you, can you say anything? Do you have anything to say about... There has been this, and silence speaks volumes. People here in Israel and in the Middle East are watching, and when the leadership in the halls of Congress can't call something what it is, yes, that was awful and terrible. I have no beef with Senator Lindsey Graham, by the way, none. But I thought, I've never seen such a seasoned politician biff a question so badly. It was, right. a, it was a softball question, right? All you had to say is, Dan, it's terrible. It's awful. We saw this video with horrendous. But instead... He says, you know, we came here as a bipartisan group and get this guy out of here. And I thought, what? It was, it was strange. He's, and then he said, he's for freedom of speech. And he asked that I was to be ejected from the news conference. So that didn't make sense either. But uh, the answer to your question is people here are watching very carefully and listening very carefully. And when we have leadership in the halls of Congress and in the United States that can't call terrorism what it is, terrorism, it's a problem. I agree 100%. We just talked about that with the Associated Press. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. How, how, is, how does this end? Yeah. Well, that's a good question. Uh, if I knew the answer to that, I may be, I may be prime minister. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Here, here's what I would say, because a lot of people are reaching out and messaging me and my family directly and personally saying, I'm praying for you. Um, thinking of you, it's it's really courageous what you're doing. I mean, my, my hats off to all the IDF soldiers. These are 18, 19, 20-year-olds, men and women, you know, who barely reached the prime of their lives, and, and many of them, most likely, they know what's ahead of them. It's going to be this, this bloody incursion. Um, I don't know how it will end, but I do know what you can do. And what you can do is pray. Pray about it. Please. Psalm 120, I'm a man of faith, my family was believers, and Psalm 122.6 says to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Uh, the fighting and what we're seeing in Gaza, it's not about Gaza. They, they infiltrated a fence, and they got to a, the border community there in the kibbutz. But it's not about Gaza. It's about Jerusalem. And the Bible says that, that God established a covenant with 
Israel, and he calls he calls Israel and the people here the apple of his eye. He has a soft spot in his heart, and so if um, if God calls something good, there's enemy Satan, whatever you want to call him, the devil, who's out to destroy that. So if you're Jewish, just remember God established a covenant with Israel. He will never leave you or forsake you. Awful, we've witnessed awful things happen in the last few weeks, including the Holocaust, which my grandmother survived. But if you're Jewish, just remember that. If you're a Christian, if you're a Gentile, if you're a believer, if God keeps his promises to the Jewish people that he says he will never leave or forsake, if he keeps his promise to them, he can keep his promise to you. And if he doesn't keep his promise to the Jewish people, you can't trust him. We can't put our faith in that. So I will tell you, I don't know how this all plays out, but I do know in the end, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, this isn't a surprise to him. He knew it was coming. He knows what's going on. He knows the number of hairs on our heads, the Bible says. That's how much he knows and loves us and cares about us. So, you know, Israel will win in the end. I just don't know how. And I got about a minute left, Daniel. Tell me, sure. are you, do you feel safe? <laughs> uh, this is going to sound crazy. Yes. Uh, have my wife and I talked about evacuating? Yes. Do we have an emergency evacuation plan? Have we discussed? Yes. But uh, we feel like we are exactly where God wants us to be. And so our family is saying, you know, why aren't you guys getting out of there? What are you doing? Are you nuts? You know, they want us to leave. And I know if we leave, other people are saying, why are you leaving? Are you nuts? How could you leave? So we'll be judged one way or the other. But I would say this, and it comes back to faith. I would rather be where I'm supposed to be, where I feel God is giving me a peace to be, in the center of God's will, even if there's chaos and insanity around me than to be somewhere else that is not in the center of God's will. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Know that we are thinking about you. I hope to see you in person again soon. Um, and, and I wish you and everybody around you um, a safety bubble because it's, it's going to get so much worse. <laughs> you're a treasure. God bless you. And I just pray number six over you and your entire audience is to bless you and keep you, keep you safe and protected. Uh, I know that the United States needs to be lifted up in prayer big time right now. So all of those prayers you're praying for me, I appreciate everyone in your audience that cannot pray that right back to you. Amen, sir. Thank you for your time. All right, you guys, that was important. And, And I hope I learned something. I hope you did too. Quick time out. Back with more on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. Welcome back, everybody. Delighted to be with you on this Wednesday. I had bookmarked a page on my computer, and it has been on my computer for the better part of two years. Dated almost exactly October 17th of 2021. And this was the headline. Conflict of interest. Bill Gates gave $319 million to major media outlets, documents reveal. What? Bill Gates and his foundation gave millions and millions of dollars to outfits including CNN, NPR, NBC, The Atlantic, and PBS. Shut the front door. That sounds so weird. Now, why would he do that? Well, I got an image to uphold. It is not a correct image. It is an image of a... philanthropist, a do-gooder. I care so much about all these people that I'm going to create a bunch of medicine and purport to be on a life-saving mission. Everybody deserves an opportunity. Help us help these disadvantaged people in sub-Saharan Africa who 
by the way, escaped unscathed from COVID. Sort of like the folks in Uttar Pradesh when they were given in India, 245 million of them, right? Given what was that again? That's right. It was ivermectin and they didn't die. In fact, they had a 99% survivability rate there. So that brings us to this story. Because the FDA also has some pretty interesting ties to the Gates Foundation. And this is the same FDA that wants you to believe, even though 3% of Americans have gotten it so far, the latest, what is it, the eighth booster? What are we on? I don't know. Lost count. Only 3% have gotten it. The jig is up, but that is not stopping. The FDA, the CDC, Bill Gates being the dirtbag that he is from cashing in. So here's your headline. FDA's ties to the Gates Foundation. This is mind-numbing information. In 2017, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration entered into a Memorandum of Understanding with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Under it, the two entities agreed to share information to, quote, facilitate the development of innovative products, including medical countermeasures, huh, such as diagnostics, vaccines, and therapeutics to combat disease transmission during a pandemic. In 2017, they did this, guys. Three years before all this happened. And I'll remind you of their great event 201 that the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation sponsored, funded, all of it. Hosting a bunch of people doing kind of a mock trial run. What would we do if something like got out and we got sick, right? I mean, it's so weird that that happened just weeks before what? A virus leaked from a lab? Was it a wet market? So the Gates Foundation, FDA, they're in bed. They're snuggling four years, three years before this outbreak, right? And we're going to work together. We're going to share information about pushing out vaccines. Look, here's the deal. If you and I work together, we can all get rich. And then Bill Gates can fulfill his destiny of killing off the majority of the population. And you say, that's so dark. Yeah, it is dark, but that's what he said multiple times. Depopulation is the agenda. That is the idea. So the FDA has memorandums of understanding with many academic and nonprofit organizations, but few of them have as much to gain as Bill Gates, who has invested billions into pandemic countermeasures. Experts are concerned that the Gates Foundation could have undue influence, could have undue influence over the FDA's regulatory decisions of these countermeasures. I'm going to go with could be. How about does and has and forever will continue to because rich people get away with literal murder. Did you guys hear the 911 call from Barack Obama's mansion about the, you know, the chef who was paddleboarding naked, right? Rich people can get away with anything. It's disgustingly true. An ex-senior advisor to the FDA commissioner between 2019 and 2020 say he, says he is suspicious of this agreement from 2017 between Gates and the FDA. If the Gates Foundation establishes this memorandum of understanding 
as a with a regulator on a product that they want to develop, it seems like it would be a conflict of interest. Well, no, duh. What? I'm so tired of this like five days late and $75 short, limp-wristed response to things. I don't know. It kind of feels weird. What? <laughs> yeah. Why do you think for a year and a half we beat down the website of the FDA and the CDC and we went through every freaking item the deaths, the comorbidities, the lies, all of it. Not because it feels weird, but because you knew it was. So the guy who just said that, who's now a fellow of Ethics and Public Policy Center in Washington, D.C., explained that normally meetings between developers and regular regulators are supposed to be an official part of the public record and subject to the Freedom of Information Act requests that we've been getting the lion's share of our news from. However, a memorandum of understanding such as this, he says, can circumvent the usual requirements for the transparency of official communications. This way, their communications can be kept secret. See, it's the same. I could get into all of the nuance of who said what and how it happened and blah, 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 but take something out of it. All right. So in this instance, we're talking about the FDA, 11 of the 12 commissioners, by the way, who were quick to say, oh, hurry, hurry, hurry. Emergency use authorization for these drugs that we knew in the first 90 days of their trials, which, by the way, you were the human guinea pigs of, right? That's gross. We know that 1,223 people died. What? We know that there were 1,291 individual side effects that were reported. Wait, what? And we know that those side effects were reported to the CDC's Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, which is what? That's right, a collaboration between the FDA and the CDC... And it's been there since 1990, but all of a sudden, nobody was paying attention to the vaccine adverse event reporting system. Why? Because people had a hell of a problem with that vaccine. How about kids who've died from it? What? Died suddenly? What are you talking about? How many of them within the first 24 hours? They don't want you to know. They don't want you to talk about it. It's blacked out. It's the no-go zone. It's sort of like the AP saying, eh, you know, we're not really going to use that word terror, terrorist. Why not? Because we have a nasty, dirty narrative to present. And whether it's through lawfare, corrupting and molesting the facts in the justice system to create a narrative that you fall for, or whether it's in medicine, where we bury information about absolute fraud, malfeasance, neglect, and corruption. And we don't talk about how Albert Borla and Stefan Bansell and Tony Fauci and Collins and all of the rest of these dirtbags became very, very wealthy men. Billionaires, even, as you and I got sick and you lost your job because you refused to obey. Don't ask questions about that guy who worked as the chef in the White House or in Barack Obama's White House, who was his personal chef on Martha's Vineyard, why he all of a sudden died naked in pretty shallow water off the coast. So weird.
right? Don't ask about the pipe bombs that were found suspiciously outside of the RNC and DNC if those things ever actually existed. Don't even think about asking about that Dobbs decision leak. Who knows how that could have happened? And don't ever punish people from Jane's revenge, right? Don't ever. They have churches to vandalize and pregnancy crisis centers to torch after all. Don't paint Hamas terrorists in a dark light, right? What's this alternate universe that we're in where billionaires who are absolute scumbags can get in bed with regulatory agencies who we pay for, whose job is allegedly to keep us well. But what they've actually done is kept people like, what's his face? Bill Gates, rich, flying around the world in his corporate jet, barking at each of us, telling us how we ought to live our lives, all the while hiding the truth. These are scary times, absolutely scary times. And that you cannot depend on any of these people to tell you the truth is a despicable statement about how far we've slipped. That I tell you this, the same revolving door ideology that allows people in the FBI and the DOJ who suck in that capacity to then open through a revolving door into Google and YouTube and Meta and Twitter. It's the same as the revolving door of the FDA. How about this? They've been roundly criticized for the revolving door there as 10 of the past 11 FDA commissioners. These are the people who, by the way, implore you to vaccinate your child as young as six months for a virus that they resoundingly survive. Like 99.9997% of the time. 10 of the past 11 FDA commissioners left the agency and secured roles with pharmaceutical companies they once regulated. It's all so dang cozy, isn't it? All so dang pre predictable and destructive to you and to me. Is it as destructive, though, as normalizing eating bugs? That's not the point. That's not what they want. We've dug into this. You want to know what they really want out of them forcing bugs on us? It's gross. I've got it for you next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. I don't know. I don't know if this is a song for bugs. You guys think so? This is how you're just going to feel. Happy. Don't worry. It's just a bug burger. <laughs> Mmm, I like mine raw. <laughs> so here's the headline on the LibertyDaily.com. I love this. Are bug burgers really coming to America? No, I don't think so. I think, you know what? And this is why I'm convinced that I would be a very bad sinister person. I'd be a really bad emperor. What are some other sinister characters, Brock? I'd be a really bad person. Bond villain. I'd be a terrible Bond villain. I'd be terrible at anything where you have to have like. <laughs> You'd be a horrible like Lex Luthor. Terrible, terrible, because they're not just one step planners. They have this longitudinal plan. It's like 20 year plan. Right. And they know how to drop 
the normalizing of disgusting and evil on you to make it seem like eh, not so bad, right? It's like Bill Gates making his own milk, his own breast milk. <laughs> That's how it's spelled, breast milk. <laughs> like the emperor in Star Wars. Exactly. Who gets on the Senate. Exactly. To t- yeah. Exactly. And it's a long plan. You're not going to change the world and ruin it for everybody super duper quick overnight. They tried with COVID. That was the accelerator pedal. That was down on the ground, right? They thought they could get one past us. And they did for a lot of folks, right? This bug thing is to put into your mind that ultimately we're going to live in a world where lab manufactured meat is normal. So, so here's the thing. There are a few memes floating around the internet about globalists attempting to force the masses to eat insects. These memes usually portray either Klaus Schwab or somebody else I can't pronounce saying, eat the bugs, while holding a cricket burger or some other bug-based food. But for those of us who've been following the escapades of globalist organizations like the World Economic Forum in recent years, the memes are both funny as well as being stark reminders of this dystopian reality that they hope to achieve. They really do want us to eat alternatives to meat as primary protein sources, but do they really want us eating mealworm meatloaf? Well, yes and no, said a guy named Jason Nelson, who's the CEO of Prepper All Naturals. And he says they want us eating meat alternatives, but their primary source in Western society will be lab-grown meat. The bugs have a totally different purpose, he says. So Nelson's company is the only one in America that offers high-quality cuts of beef rather than the standard prepper beef that's usually made from the cheapest meat available. And this is what he's talking about in his whole pitch in being on this article. Tyson Foods, as we told you, one of the largest meat companies in the United States, has recently invested in insect protein supplier Protix. They intend to expand on the insect ingredients business to start sprinkling bug parts into the food supply, oftentimes without making it apparent. Only those who read the ingredients on their foods will likely even know they're eating bugs. Ew! Now, this is one of two big reasons bugs are being introduced into the food supply, according to Nelson. He believes they want to normalize insect consumption quietly today, So they'll be able to tell people in the near future that most of them have been eating bugs all along. They want us to think that bugs aren't so bad. But here's the thing, Nelson says. They know there will be a huge backlash against insects in our foods, and even that backlash is part of their bigger plan. He said introducing insects into the Western food supply moves the Overton window as it pertains to what we will eat. He says their long-term goal is to make people accept lab-grown meats as their primary sources of protein. Woof. And I like Spam. I think Spam is delicious, right? For a lot of people, that's a full stop no. I think that that's what they started with those black bean burgers. Oh, you think so? Maybe that's where they start because, like, it looks like a burger. Yeah. It's not bugs. No. It's black beans, but... uh, Yeah. But now they have that Beyond Meats. Beyond? That's gross. What's that? People are like, if you fry it in a skillet, it tastes just like a burger. Why don't I just want a burger? uh, Right? It doesn't seem complicated unless they want you, obviously, not relying upon farmers. They want to shut down farmers. They want to shut down farmland. They want to control the food supply. They want to control the water. 
They want to dictate what is in the air you breathe. They want you connected to a grid that they control. And how do they do that? Bit by bit by bit. And if you look at what's been pushed and how many of your wacko, liberal, Marxist, communist, socialist, progressive, nutcase neighbors are driving around in only electric cars now, that does not make you a nutcase. But they got the solar panels out. They're hook, line, and sinker all about it. I bet you that there are those beyond burgers in their freezers. The whole point, obviously, is to normalize under the guise of you're doing something right. It's so good of you. Think of what you're saving. Cows and their toots, they're destroying the ozone. Well, you know what? I guarantee you the amount of the the amount of hairspray that I used, Aquanet as a teenager, destroyed way, way, way more ozone than any cow tooting in the field. I grew up around cows. Yes. My whole backyard was a cornfield with cows in it. Yes. And I'm fine. Well. All their tooting did nothing to me. Well, I'm going to say the Aquanet was probably more dangerous. But this is what it is. And he brings up an excellent point. All of these things are little trial balloons, right? Sort of like the spy balloon. <laughs> that was just that was just an errant weather. Those were people who were, it was nothing, <laughs> right? This is all part of the plan. So be aware of the plan. Read your ingredients. And clearly... Trust nobody except us. There you go. Perfect. Love you guys. Thanks for being part of the Wendy Bell Radio program. We will be back tomorrow. Until then, I wish you peace.